Jesus mighty name we have prayed. Well, welcome to the Digging Deep of tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Greet somebody near you. Say, welcome to Digging Deep in Jesus' name. Where we dig for precious gold, precious silver. Uh, you are not telling the your neighbor. I said, I said, tell your neighbor. Say, welcome to, welcome to, pre- to we, we, we dig lithium, uranium. <laughs> you know, there are all kinds of <laughs> very... Very, yeah, minerals now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Alright, so tonight we'll be looking at a very, very common topic. And, and I, I doubt may sound a bit boring topic. And uh, so this topic came about actually some weeks back. The Lord was teaching me about this. And actually for some time now. And then on Sunday, the pastor preached on something in the, along that line and it was as if as he was preaching as if he was like we were in the same room somewhere do you understand and then my wife attended a meeting over the weekend and then as i was we were just deliberating on pastor teaching and i was telling her that look it was as if i could compare some of the notes based on what pastor was preaching and then she told me that actually Half of fifty percent of what pastor preached that day, like as pastor was preaching, it was like I see ah, you know, like so when God, you see, every season God has a message for the church, and it's better, you know, when you read the book of Revelation, it says, "Let he that has what he has what." So the Spirit is always speaking. Praise the Lord. The Spirit's message is not many at any particular season. And I have a feeling in my heart that that message that Pastor preached is the message for this season. And I just want to build a little bit on that based on some of the things that my work God, I mean, I believe by the Spirit of God, God taught me about repentance. So, now, like I said, that may sound like a very common, and then somebody may say, ah, repentance, am I a sinner? I mean, I'm sure that's the natural, you know. And again, you are not the first person to say that. You know, you will notice that every time Jesus, you remember when Jesus Christ was talking to the Jews, and he was telling them about uh, some topics about repentance. And they said, ah, we are not, what did they say? They said, we are not uh, bastards. We have Abraham as our father. So you see, that defensive thing, is in all of us, including me that I'm talking about here, to be very different. Ah, so what are you talking about? Ah, we, we, we know God now. We, we, ah, this morning God spoke to me. So what are you even talking about? So we're talking about repentance? That's for babies. That's for unbelievers out there. But I come to realize that God's strategy for any new beginning in every generation for a new season of glory, a new season of power, a new season of the fire falling from heaven, a new season of transformation in every generation has always been ushering by what? Repentance. Repentance. Go and look at all, including the, what we always make reference to in the in 19, is it 14 or 15? 
the Azusa Street Revival. Go and read about the story of the Azusa Revival. It's just a few people who went to God and they were praying for change of heart, repentance. They were praying for days. They were calling to God for repentance. They were calling to God for... And they were persisting. And when you look at all the revivals, the revivals, the one in... Uh, the one actually that happened before that one, I forgot, the Irish re- revival, repentance. Everything started with what? Repentance. Now, when you're talking about repentance, don't be too quick. We're not talking about repentance of the, somebody who is drinking alcohol there, somebody who is womanizing there. That's not what we're talking about, basically. Of course, repentance is all-encompassing. And I think that is the mistake that the devil has used against the church to make us believe that once you have come up front one day and you raise up your hand and say, I give my life to Jesus, and then you walk, we think that is all it's all about. We see again in the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ telling the church, he said, repent. So why would Jesus be telling the church, the old church, to repent? If there is no need for repentance. We see John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3 verse 9 calling the Israelites to what? Repentance. So when John the Baptist came on scene, his message was very simple. Repent. That was his message. Remember, the Bible says the Sadducees and Pharisees came to his repentance. <laughs> Sadducees and Pharisees. These were teachers of the law. The Bible said they came to his repentance. And as they came to his repentance, because John the Baptist was not a very nice prophet. Sorry, you know what I mean nice? It's quote and unquote. It wasn't like Jesus Christ. He gave it to them. Ha! He said, ye generation of vipers. Imagine a bishop, archbishop, coming to come to one, one guy who just, who just, you know, became, I mean, John the Baptist was, no, was just not, he was not in the lineage of, 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 uh, of even prophets. Do you understand? It just came from the blues. One young man who went into the desert, spent days and weeks, and suddenly came, because the Holy Ghost came upon him, and he started preaching, repent, repent, repent. And then people started rushing to his repentance. And because the power of the Holy Ghost break out, you see again. And then as he was baptizing people, as he was preaching, lo and behold, he saw bishops, archbishops, rushing to his repentance. <laughs> I thought he would have said, oh, wow, this thing is, thank God, though, bishops are coming to my repentance. I thought he would give them red carpet and say, ah, bishop, please come and walk through red carpet. And as they were coming, what came out of his mouth? He said, ye generation of vipers. But do you know what? That didn't stop them. They still came to his repentance. Like I always say, sometimes it's not about what you preach. It's about the spirit. When the spirit comes, eh, it doesn't matter what you preach. You don't even need to preach. Eh? You don't need to preach. People will come to know Jesus Christ. So, we saw John the Baptist. We saw Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. So, because somebody may ask that, why do you have any example about this thing you are talking about? Matthew, Mark chapter 1 verse 15. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's Jesus Christ. So how come that repentance is so scarce in our pulpit? How come we don't talk about repentance? 
When that was what Jesus Christ spent all his time preaching, the Bible says as Jesus Christ went from villages, all the books of Matthew, Mark, the Gospels, all the Gospels, you will see again and again that Jesus Christ preached what? Repentance. And believing of the kingdom, the Gospel of the kingdom. And then you see the other there, repent and what? And believe. Now we'll get there. Because what the church has done more is to say, believe. Believe. Jesus never said, believe first. Yeah, he never did. And you see again in the Bible, repeatedly, that all, even the apostles of Jesus, they never said, believe. The, the first thing was, repent. And then what? Believe. So there are so many people who have believed, who did not repent. Oh, I will show you. Even in Jesus Christ preaching in John chapter 8, as he was preaching, and the Bible said many believed on him. And then when Jesus Christ started preaching to them, you realize that these people, they were, had not repented. Now, because, see, repentance to a Jew is what? Repentance is repent from your old beliefs. Because the word repent actually has to do with a change of mind. Yes, that's what repentance. I think that is the mistake we made. We just believe that, oh, just believe Jesus Christ. No! Repentance is about change of mind, change of your posture, change of your heart posture, change of your heart posture. So, when you see that Jesus is saying repent here, what he's saying is that you Jews, you've always believed in this way. That belief that you believe, believe change it, turn it 180 degrees. And when you've done that, then now believe the gospel. Praise the Lord. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, 7, 7, 7 verse 14, we see there that this principle of repentance, if my people, it, see, if, when you read that scripture, the first thing that you see there, it says, if my people. Now, just in case you are doubting that, eh, well, everybody created by God are people of God. He said, mm-mm. I'm not talking about just anybody created by God. He said, if my people who are called, by who? By my name. So that you know that, don't, don't, don't confuse it. We are not talking about a drunkard out there or somebody who is a worshiper. That's not what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about people who have been circumcised. You know what it means for you to have the name of God as a Jew? Is that you must have been born into the family of a Jew and circumcised if you're a man. Do you understand? So if you come through that lineage, you are already a people of God and called by his name. But in Christianity now, you come through Christ. Isn't it? You believe in... He says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... See, you see there that there were quite a number of things that precede that. Number one is humbling themselves. Number two, pray. Number three, seek my face. And then the next thing is what? Turn. So, it doesn't matter how much humility you have carried out. It doesn't matter how much prayer you have prayed. It doesn't matter how maybe you've gone to Rioke, you spent 40 days and 40 nights. And you have not turned. And the heart, the turning is first a heart turning. Without a heart turning, there cannot be a change. And that's why you see, 
when John the Baptist was rebuking the Jews, he said, bring forth fruit, beat for repentance. So it means that you don't just say, I have repented. There are fruits that shows whether somebody has repented. And he says, that begins somewhere. That missing link is turning from our wicked ways. He said, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and then will heal their land. So, we see that there is a process. You see, now, people are trying to redefine God's principle, God's ways. Ah, no, just believe. You know, as much as the faith, now I'm going to say something very controversial. You know, the faith movement, you know, we all know what the faith movement is. Kenyon and the rest. They did so many good things, but trust me, they also did some damage to the body of Christ. I mean, I'm talking about the extreme of people who ran with that message without putting it in perspective. Where now we claim everything by faith. Somebody wants to guess here and say, I got born again by faith. No, it doesn't work that way. There is a process. Eh? I want to be I want to be saved. I get saved. Everything we claim. Everything. But for God, there is a principle for everything. There is a principle. There is a process. So, we see there that... So, the question is, what repentance is not? What is repentance not? Let me start with what repentance is not. Number one, repentance is not sorrow. Oh, I'm sorrowful for my sin. Oh, I'm so sad I did that thing. I committed that fornication. Oh, I'm so sad I watched pornography. Oh, I'm so sad I lied. Oh, I'm so sad, you know. Just sad and sorrowful. Well, hello. Sorrow... Sadness is not repentance, unfortunately. It's not also guilt. Oh, I felt guilty. Ah, when I did it, I felt guilty. You know, you know, the devil has helped us, the church, to many of us feel guilty over time, over so many things. And we believe that God has accepted those guilt eh, as a restitution for our bad behavior, even though the next moment we'll still do that same thing. No, my brother. Guilt is not repentance. Shame. Oh, I felt so shame. Oh, and I felt so ashamed. Oh, uh, because of this shame that I suffered, I'm sure God has, I have repented. I'm sorry to tell you, shame is not repentance. In the Old Testament, they will pour ashes and, and you know, they will pour ashes abi, and they will put garments. They wear garments. They will rent their garments. I'm sorry to say, those things are not repentance. But you see, those things were tokens. Tokens, or I will call them forerunners of repentance. Unfortunately, you see, the devil has deceived us to make us think that those things that are just tokens of repentance are forerunners of repentance. Uh, is true repentance. That is what the devil has done. In fact, the devil deceives some people, the Roman Catholic, to believe that penance is repentance. So, that to tell you how the devil can deceive a man, to make you feel that because you felt guilty about your sin, you have repented. Or because you felt sorrowful about your sin, you have repented. The devil is wicked, trust me. And the devil is deceiving so many people. And there are so many people that, they, God forbid, 
that they will find themselves somewhere. They will say, but God, I repent. God will say, Mm-mm. do you know what repentance is? Repentance is not feeling sorrowful. Repentance is not even that the church disciplines you. Repentance is not even discipline. Do you want to hear that? Repentance is not discipline. The church, a pastor can discipline you. That doesn't mean you have repented. Satan has deceived us. In Joel chapter 2, verse 13. Joel 2, verse 13. You see there, you know, it came to a point in the land of Israel. When somebody brought something back, what did they do? They will pour ashes on their head. And they will say, Ah, God has repented. God said, You know, it goes to a point. God said, What's wrong with you guys? See what God told them in the book of Joel. They've mastered. Satan has helped them master what? Falsehood. So, you know, Satan can help you master falsehood though. And you will feel it like you believe a lie. You will be convinced that what you are doing is what God wants you to do. And it got to that point. Guess what happened? God said, so rend your heart and not what? Your garment. Do you know that there is nothing wrong with you renting your garment? But what God is saying is that until the heart has been rent, have no business with your garment. Keep your garment. Save it. You save some money. So save yourself some money. Save yourself some shame. Some sorrows of the heart. If there is no turning around and then we are renting garments, pouring ashes, feeling ashamed, having discipline, and then we say we've repented. God said, no. Praise the Lord. Sorry, my phone is... It's just one minute. Okay. Alright, so, we see here that the... Okay, so then what is repentance? He said what repentance is not. Repentance is, just as it's put, a change of the heart. And there are five things that the Lord showed me about what must happen before somebody says he has repented. Number one, the beginning of repentance is what? Conviction. Somebody say conviction. Somebody say conviction. The beginning of repentance is conviction. The conviction means this thing that I'm doing, you know, I'm not, again, like I said, we're not talking about, please, please help. We're not talking about even committing a, uh, fornication. We're not talking about those things. So. Repentance is for all believers, whether you're a pastor, whether you are this. Repentance is for everybody. You heard pastor on Sunday. Repentance could be a small thing like, you are, not, you are supposed to be evangelizing. You are not evangelizing. And the Bible says you should evangelize. Are you conv- have you gotten to a point of conviction to see the effect of my not evangelizing? How it is hurting the heart of God? Did you, did you see how this thing is? Have, you, have I gotten convinced to a point where I say, wow. I'm not talking about monthly, they call us, oh yeah, Edward, let's go for evangelism. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about you, God in your own private moment, God speaking to you and, 
And then the Holy Spirit begins to convict you to see how your, 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 your coldness, your, or, or my, 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 my care, carefreeness is sending so many souls to hell. And this begins with the Holy Ghost. John 16 verse 8. John 16 verse 8. John 16 verse 8. So there is scripture for everything I will give you tonight. John 16 verse 8. He says, and when he has come, he's talking about the Holy Ghost, he will convict, look at the word there. So, conviction can only happen by who? The Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost does not work on a man's heart, I don't care which church, you can stay, you can live with Pastor Adeboye for, for, for a century. If the Holy Ghost is not alighting upon your heart, you will commit the most, you know, the most brazen sin. And you won't feel anything. He said, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Please, can you check uh, NLT version? Because I, I, I saw some very interesting NLT. Good. And, okay. NLT. And when he comes, he will convict. Okay, let's look at, uh, let me get other. Versions. Okay, please, can you put on some other versions? Please. Other versions. Okay, another versions. Yes, let me say the same thing, NLT and uh, Amplify. Any other version? NIV. Okay, fine, NIV. Look at what NIV is. He said, when he comes, he will prove the world. Wait, 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 please leave it. He said, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. So, you see people say, ah, gay, yeah, well, that gay is right. Come on. It's because the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost comes to the heart of a man, you know, the things we play, we say, is it sin? Is it not sin? Is it right? He said, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. And righteousness. So what you say, sin and righteousness, it will be clear between black and white. That is what conviction does to a man. When you see a man who is convicted about a thing, what happens is that suddenly is no more. Ah, everything is mixed, so we don't even know which one is right. There is nothing like that. He knows this is black, this is white. Message: When it comes, he will expose the error of the godless world's view of sin. See. The, you, see, you see, sin is about worldview, the way you see it, isn't it? He said, when the Holy Ghost comes, it will give you sense. That's what he's saying. It will give you sense, the right sense. So, when people are talking about, say, when they say this thing is, ah, it's this, when they say if you give small, it's not bribe now, it's, you are just motivated. You say, no, no, you don't know anything. <laughs> if you know what I carry inside of me, <laughs> he has taught me and made me to know this is bad. This is the godless world's view. So there is a godless world view of sin. That's the lesson from there. There is a view that people believe that sin is this. If you do this, ah, it's not bad now. It's not bad. Are you the one that killed Jesus? May God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Then the second thing that when the Holy Ghost begins to brood and convict a man, the next thing he brings is godly sorrow godly sorrow. So, when a man sees the godly world's view of sin and you realize that you have been contributing to that sin, what do you think will happen? You'll be sorrowful. 
So you see that that sorrow is coming not from what pastor told you, what your friend told you, what your father told you. It's what God told you about sin. That's why the Bible calls it godly sorrow. It's not a human-made sorrow. It's not that they caught you. You get caught and then you are sorrowful. It's a, a godly sorrow. So the next thing is godly sorrow. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11. Second Corinthians 7, verse 10 and 11. So conviction by the Holy Ghost will lead to godly sorrow. Okay, no, let, let's look at just normal, um, maybe KJV. 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 Second Corinthians 7, verse 10. Just KJV. Okay, for godly sorrow worketh. Look at that word there. What does godly sorrow does? It worketh repentance. So it means that godly sorrow is not what repentance. Did you get that? When you say something works something, what does it mean? It's an instrument for producing something, isn't it? So yes, godly sorrow is important, but it is not the end, because the end is what a change of heart. A change of your posture. But that thing cannot happen until you start with conviction by the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost begins to show you the view, God's view of sin and righteousness. And you begin to say, wow. Have you, you've heard Pastor Adeboe, I think there was a, something he said once there. He said he was somewhere one day and the Lord opened his eyes and he saw angels. And he saw them in their bright light with their white garment. And he said he was looking what? Dirty among them. That's what we are talking about. And he said he was looking dirty. Ah! He said he looked at himself. He was so ashamed of himself. And said as they were coming close to him, they would move away because he was so dirty. Ah! He said he promised himself. He said, Lord, if you will help me next time, I will appear here. It won't look like this. Do you think that man will leave that place not understanding the high standard of God? Do you understand? And when that thing is going on, what do you think is happening is that Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. And then he says, Godly sorrow worketh what? Repentance to salvation. Not to be repentant, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 11. He said, For behold, this says something that you sorrow after a godly thought. That carefulness is wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourself. He's talking about the fruits of true repentance now. That when you see a man who has gone through this process, what happens? He becomes more careful. He becomes more circumspect. He's not just doing things anyhow. Do you understand? So, when you see people say, I have repented, and they are careless, <laughs> then you know that they, they, you've not repented. I'm sorry. Do you understand? You've not. And then he says, what indignation? What is the indignation? What indignation against sin? That means now, they used to, they, they, they used to, they used to sleep with sin, with that thing. They used to play and, ah, yeah, ah. Oh, but I know God does not like it, but I can't do without you. You are my friend. You are my best friend. What can I do now? And then suddenly they say, wah! Indignation. Indignation. A toy has become some source of indignation. Suddenly. He says, what kind of indignation? Yeah, what fear? <laughs> they used to play with it, but now they fear God. It's a what vehement desire towards God. So, their desire switch from their toy of sin now to a desire towards God. What zeal 
towards God. You see the fruit. So, see, we can capture what will happen when a man repents. We can capture it. One, two, three, four. So let's stop deceiving ourselves and say, well, we don't know. We know. It's in the Bible. We know. Paul said it. He said, when the Corinthians repented, I could see the fruits of repentance in them. What revenge against evil. May God help us in the name of Jesus. Like I said, this is a season of repentance. Whether you like it or not. It's not a season of receive and receive. There is a judgment coming upon the land, upon the church. God is beginning to prune, prune us, and in every way possible. So this judgment is not just about, like I said, it's not about, and I sin. It's about God marking us and saying, in this area, how have you fed? In your private prayer life, in your study of the word, in your soul winning, in everything, God is ready upon the church, like he did in the book of Revelation. People say God is loving. Did you hear the kind of statement that Jesus used in the book of Revelation? He said, if you don't repent, I will take away. That's what he said. He said, I'll remove your candlestick. Suddenly you'll be in darkness. That was Jesus' word. But we've been deceived to think that Jesus Christ will continue to tolerate our, our, our inefficiencies. Then he says, after conviction, after godly sorrow, so the godly sorrow makes you to know that, ah, God hates this thing. See how I've been hurting God. Ah, God, I'm so sorry. So you see, that person is already sorry. And then, you don't need to talk to him. He's the one changing his mind. Ah, Lord, I'm sorry. Ah, I'm so sorry. Ah, I didn't know. I'm sorry. So, you see, that is what will lead to a change of heart. When we keep preaching to people and then you preaching to them, they remain the same. The reason is because they have not been convicted. There is no conviction. They may have some sorrow, but that sorrow is not emanating from God. It's not called godly sorrow. And because there is no godly sorrow, there will never be a change of their mind. And because there is no change of mind, they may confess. You see, that's the problem. When you look at this, this, this process, what you find is that people jump from nowhere, they confess. I confess. <laughs> they, they, they confess. That's what we do. So you see that, you know, Jesus was rebuking the Sadducees and Pharisees. He said, you go through land, you travel, to go and convert souls, but you make them twice the children of hell. There are so many people in the church today, they are, it's better for them to be in the world than to, for them to be in the church. That was what Jesus was saying. The Jews, the Pharisees, they will go Proselytes. You know, in those days, there are people they call proselytes. They were people like somebody like the Enoch. Enoch was a proselyte. He was not a Jew. But they heard about the God of the Jew. And they believed. And they would come to come and worship. And these Pharisees, they would be teaching them. But because of the lifestyle of, the, of these Pharisees, it's not in alignment with God. These people began to learn hypocrisy. Instead of them to learn the ways of God, they were learning lies. You know, all sorts of things that are not according to the word of God. And Jesus rebuked them. He said, you go, you, you, you work so hard. But you're working hard. You are making people even worse than where they were before they came into the, into the kingdom. Into the kingdom of the Jews. And I think part of the reason is because there was a missing link. Once there's a missing link, what you will produce, 
You know, I used to work in the industry, in the pharmaceutical industry. There's what we call, we call them certain molecules. So when you're making pharmaceutical products like paracetamol, antibiotics, those are just ordinary chemicals. But when you are making what they call biologics, biologists, they are what they call biologics. Biologists are molecules that are made from something far more refined and higher, like insulin, like uh, erythropoietin, like uh, growth hormone. There are quite a number of other molecules. They usually use one word. They will say the process is the product. Did you hear that? The process is the product. For you to get the exact product of biology, you must go through each of the process. With chemical, you can skip. But with biologics, you must go through the process. If you miss a tiny 0.01% of the process, you will def definitely not get the same products. And that is what the church is doing, unfortunately. Producing souls that have not gone through processes. What are we producing? Are we producing people that look like Christ? When we are not using the manual of Christ, may God help us in the name of Jesus. May the Lord help us. I told you, I told the Lord to speak. Whatever you hear, I believe by the grace of God, is what God wants to speak with us tonight. I didn't plan some of the things that I said. So, I, I, I have not come here to entertain anybody. I believe God does not entertain. God is not an entertainer. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> because, you know, that's another problem in the churches today. So many entertainment. God is not an Show me one place in the Bible where the heaven call and... Um, um, uh, you know where angels were gathering and they were entertaining just show me one one God is not an entertainer God is a God who wants to make us to be like him so we see that conviction begins with an awareness, recognition and insight about sin and righteousness and the judgment the consequence of sin the righteous judgment of God most believers are not convinced about how bad sin is. That's why we call it weakness. It's my weakness. It's my fault. You see, we, we've given it names. Satan has helped us to create nomenclatures that is not in the Bible. Weakness. Fault. Call it what God calls it. Sin. In fact, there are so many things that God calls. God doesn't even call it wickedness. I was shocked. When you see the things that God calls wickedness, you open your mind and ah, God, these are the things you call wickedness. Care is not to go and kill people in the Bible. Sin, the Bible calls it wickedness. Transgression. Those were the words that God used in the Bible. How unrighteous, you see, we say things like, how unrighteous can I be to see be accepted by God? Did you hear that? How, how much of unrighteousness can God tolerate in my life? And I'll be acceptable. That's what we say. We've gone in so low. We have mastered the heart of cutting corners, ungodly sorrows, Guilt, confession, penance, almost convinced. That's the rule. And we see, we've created our own nomenclature. Almost convinced, ungodly sorrow, we remain same view, and then we make confession. We have repeated this many times over, that we have come to believe it to be true. How did those, those who started penance as a route to repentance Manage to convince multitudes of so-called believers and it works. I, you know, I wonder how those people were able to convince people that if you begin to hit your body and body's, blood is coming out, 
that God has said. Do you know how that's how deception can be? They convince so many people, thousands and millions of people, to believe that penance works. Just as we are doing now. We saw in John 8.30 that it is not enough to believe. John 8.30. John 8.30. John chapter 8 verse 13. Sorry, I'm rounding off. John chapter 8 verse 13. Now, see this. The Bible says, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Go on, next verse. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believe on him, those who claim to believe, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Did you see the, the sequence? You say you have believed. Okay, we'll test it now. We'll test this your belief. <laughs> That's what Jesus is saying there. And you believe. Okay, oh, yes. Uh, uh, you believe. Oh, yeah. But for you to need to prove eh, that you believe, you must continue in my word. And it is until you continue in my word that you can be my disciple. That I can trust you. I don't trust people who claim they believe. Just as Jesus has never stopped believing or trusting people who claim to believe. People who came out and said, I gave my life to Christ. Oh, I gave my soul to Jesus. Jesus has never trusted some people. Because when he was walked, he said, so many multitudes followed him. But how many truly believed? When you continue my word. And you continue, then you become a disciple. And when you now become a disciple, you will now know the truth. And it is that truth that will now make you free. You see the process, this stepwise. And in verse 33, verse 33, verse 33. And they are saying, we be, see, religious spirits. I've told you now, that spirit is in so many of us. They answered him, we are Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage. How can you be talking about freedom? We are free. We, in fact, we attend the best church in the world. It was also a person that laid hands on me. How can you be saying this? He said, we're never in bondage to any man. How do you say we are not free? We are made free. We are free. Ah, who are you, self? Verse 34. You will see how this will end. Jesus answered them. Verily I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is servant of sin. You know what Jesus is saying so? He said, you guys, you think you can use religion to bubble me, to cover my face. He said, no. We have a way of knowing who has believed, who is a disciple. If you are still sinning, you are not my own servant. You are a servant of sin. He gave, them, he gave it to them. When he gave it to them, verse 35, see what happened. See what happened. And the servant that bear not in the house forever, but the son I bear. Verse 36. Verse 36. Verse 36. If the son therefore make you free, you shall be free in this. Verse 37. Verse 37. What happened? Okay. Verse 37. Verse 37. And I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. See, these people claim they are Abraham's seed, but they wanted to kill Jesus. You can see that there is no there is incongruence between what they are saying and what they are doing. Do you understand? And he says, be, and he now said, you know the reason why you are behaving like that? Because my word has no place in you. Do you know what it means for the world to have a place? That means the word has settled in your heart and has transformed you. But because the word, remember he said that, he said, your word, he said, when you continue in my word, because they've not continued in that word, that word has no place in them, and because of that, they cannot behave like Abraham's seed. They can only behave as someone who wants to kill Jesus. Verse 38. And you will read, if you read further, 
verse 39. I just want to see what eventually happened. These people eventually said they would kill Jesus. These same people. The same people that came for altar call. Verse 40. Verse 40. Verse 40. He said, now you seek to kill me. The man that told you the truth. Verse 41. Verse 41. He said, you did the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be born of... Verse 42. Is it 45? Okay, 44. Okay. Okay, okay. Let's go first. He said, you know, Jesus Christ was now no mean thing. He said, you know this one I have been, I have been trying to be nice to you people. Eh? I have been trying to nice. He said, you have your father the devil. <laughs> and the loss of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. I'm born in order to. When he speaks of a lie, he speaks of his own. For he's a liar. And verse 45. Verse 45. 45. Okay, verse 46. I think it's 47. Well, the bottom line is that you can see the conversation. These were people who came for altar call. Then, see the conversation change to, you are, you are murderers. So, the Lord wants us to reflect these days. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1, the Bible talks about repentance. Look at the way Hebrews 6 1, and I will close with this scripture. Hebrews 6 verse 1. I will close with this scripture. Hebrews 6 1. What is God's word? He says, Therefore, living the principle of the doctrine of God, let us go on to perfection, not laying the foundation of repentance. He talks about the foundation of what? Repentance from what? Dead works. And of what? Faith toward God. So what you find is that most people have faith towards God, but they forget that there has to be a repentance from dead works. So we see that these two are intricately linked together. And once you don't link them, you create a crisis. So the church, and I repeat again, is a season of repentance. I have no doubt in my mind. Every, you see, the Bible says, and the spirit and, and the bride says, what? Come. He said, let him that hear it say what? Come. Do you understand? What I'm saying is that when the Holy Ghost speaks, he expects the church to do what? To repeat those statements. You don't just say, Holy Ghost has said it. He says, let he that hear it say what? Come. So, God is calling the church to repentance. Repentance, like I said, repentance in your secret places. Secret sins in this new season we are entering through, God will not tolerate it. Secret sins, secret lies, secret fornication, secret adultery, secret pornography, secret cheating, secret hating of your brother, secret, all those secret, secret sins, it will not take. Prayerlessness, God will not tolerate. May God awake us to righteousness. In the mighty name of Jesus. Shall we just pray? Tonight is to awake us unto righteousness. Because this is the voice of the Holy Ghost for this time. Because God wants to do great things in his church. But there are so many baggages in the church. That's why the church lacks power. How many times have you heard about... You, in those days you hear about somebody like Apostle Ayobabala. He will enter a city... And witches will be crying. They will be running away. How many of such have you seen? You know, how many? That witches will be running away. The church lacks power. Because church has refused to accept God's state of righteousness. And to repent from our iniquities. From our coldness. Our lukewarmness. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon me, O God. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy upon my soul. Lord, help me, O oh God.
in every area I need to repent. Show me, convict me by the Holy Spirit. In every tiny little places in my heart, in my life, where I need to repent. Show it to me, O Lord. Lord, let your spirit light upon my soul, O God. Let me not be deceived. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I don't know if there's someone here this, tonight, you have never given your life to Christ. Or you thought you'd done it. But you listening to now, you say, you know what? Do you know that, you know, as the Holy Spirit was ministering to me this afternoon, as I was coming, driving, do you know that Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a very popular man. But if Zacchaeus were to be shy, he won't go and climb to give his life to Jesus Christ. In the presence of, he didn't even do that. He, he announced his sin openly. He said, that is what repentance does. Openly, he said, I have been a cheat. I've been a cheat. I've been cheating everybody. I don't care. I know I've met Jesus Christ. So if you want to repent tonight, you want to give your life to Jesus. Jesus is here tonight. He said you should come. You can pray that prayer in your heart. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me my sin. I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Wash me by your blood, by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus that speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. Blood that speaketh mercy. Father, I pray the mercy of God will flow in this room tonight. Let your mercies reach every soul. As many who have been convinced by your spirit, Lord, let their conviction lead to godly sorrow in the name of Jesus. Let it lead to true repentance in the name of Jesus. And let them exercise their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as they do so, save them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, because of your answer. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.